right, my friend, welcome once again to another episode of the Fit at Home podcast, where when it comes to getting the best shape of your life, there's no place like home. I'm Matt Shifley from the Red Delta Project, along with my co-pilot here, Al Painter, with our best top tips to improve your at-home health and fitness habits for the next seven days. And uh, let's jump right on into it. Al, we're gearing up for the 4th of July weekend. It's coming down on us like a freight train down the tunnel. Are you ready for the 4th? Yes, yes, I am. My mountain bike has been looking at me like, hey, we're still a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still a thing. Don't worry. I, I'm not riding a different bike. You and I are still in our relationship. We're still a thing. So I am hoping to rekindle my fat tire fund over the weekend multiple times. Yeah, you and me both, man. So at the gym I work at, we're all like everyone there is a mountain biker, a mountain bike racer. Nice. Uh, this is the second summer that I've worked there. So everybody's like, are you going to Breckenridge this summer, this Ooh. weekend? Breckenridge, Breckenridge. And I was like, um, wasn't really planning on it. Why? And apparently the 4th of July, there's this big mountain bike race in Breckenridge called the Firecracker 50, where you can either do 50 miles or you can partner up with someone and do each of you do as a 24 lap uh, mile lap. And I was like, I've ne no, I'd never heard of this because last year when I worked there, of course, it was closed because of COVID. Sure, sure. So I'm like, uh, no, didn't really think of it. And so they're like, well, you should do it. And here, one of the gals there was like, here, my, my boyfriend will race the other half with you because I don't want to do 50. 50 miles sure. in the Rockies That's is crazy. Death march for me. I've done it before. It was a 12-hour slog. But um, I was like, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. So he was like, oh, no, man, I'm sorry, but I wanted to do it, but no one was interested. So I signed up for this 100-mile road race or ride oh. on Saturday the day before. So I can't back out of that. I'm like, oh, damn. So now I'm like, who can I ride with? Like, I'm trying to find a partner for this thing. So who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But either way, same as you. I'm getting out on the bike this weekend. Oh, that's awesome. Those we've, I've done uh, a team relay mountain bike race before. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. It was, it was four laps and there were two of us mm -hmm. and you had to alternate. Right. And the first time I went out, I was good. And then waiting, I don't know, half hour ish, however long it was mm -hmm. for the partner to come back. So I go back out, oh, my legs turned to stone and it took me a minute to get going again. I was just like, I don't like this. I just want to go one time. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there's yeah. a good analogy in that, you know, first lesson here, folks, is stopping makes it harder. You know, when you have momentum. Uh, uh. Right. You can keep going both in your habits, your diet and stuff. You can slow down. You can change your pace, whatever. But you stop and it's just so much harder to get going again. So that's why you don't stop. <laughs> you know, oh. in races like that, people will like they'll walk around a little bit. They'll do some squats or some lunges like 10 minutes in uh, or something. Just do not stop. And you want to keep the momentum going. Yeah, you yeah, know, momentum. Yeah. Let's jump right into our top tips of the week. We start off, of course, with our workout tips to help you improve your workout strategies for the next week or so. Al, I'll give you a first bat at this one. Oh, giddy up. All right, my workout tip for the week is something that I re-engaged yesterday, did again. I don't know, whatever the re-something is on this one. And it was a get a 41-inch exercise band. Right. I just slung it diagonally. I did lunges. I did curtsy lunges. I had the mini band. I did sidesteps at this park that the kids were playing. I was doing, I was playing while they were playing, so to speak. And then I looped it around a bar 
and then I was doing some lateral lunges. So this was like, I don't know, 35 minutes or so, different time intervals or, and rep counts. And I was tight before I went into it. And then working my hips in three different directions, mm-hmm. or it's drop step, curtsy, and lateral. Woo, my, I was loosey-goosey after that. So, yeah, go outside, folks. Uh, find a nice something or other to attach the band to. You can do tons of stuff. You could do it just connected to you diagonally. So it's, it's, they're cheap. They're super portable. They're super useful. And I definitely would recommend folks get a 41-inch exercise band, big old loopy thing. Mm-hmm. Giant rubber band. Yep, that's the best design, in my opinion, as well. Do you have videos or any references that we can post in the notes down below for people to get an idea of what you're talking about here? I could probably scare one up, yeah. Yep. All right, so check down below, folks. Whenever we mention resources and stuff like that, look down below in the description for links to things if you want further information and clarification. Uh, but uh, you can probably just find a lot of this stuff on your Instagram and uh, other social media, right, Al? Where would we find that stuff? Yeah, um, yeah. I just go to, I'm not sure, on the YouTube machine, you could, you know, big loop monster band exercises or things of that nature. And you should be able to find a load of stuff. Oh, let's see here. Clench Fitness, uh, Dave Schmitz, Dave the band guy, isn't the band man, Dave Schmitz. He's pretty awesome. He's got all kinds of stuff. Juan Carlos Santana has the big loop stuff. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I have, <laughs> my couch was very welcoming for me today while my lower body tried to recover from what my 19 year old brain thought would be a good idea yesterday, which is cool because I, this is quite ironic. I'm lying down on the couch watching Euro 2020 soccer matches while other people are exercising. And I thought, I like this. This, this works, man. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I caught a glimpse of that when I was at a restaurant the other day. It was right now it's Belgium versus Italy and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is what I've been watching all this time. Oh, man, it was, that was a great match. I won't do any spoilers if people don't know, although by the time this comes out, I'm spoiling it. Italy beat him two to one. And John Champion is quite possibly, he's like the John Madden of Vin Scully's. For those of you who are, who follow sports, John Champion is just this eloquently, beautifully well-versed spoken uh, guy. And the things he says, they just flow. And he paints a picture with his words that Rembrandt couldn't do with a brush. Oh, it makes the coverage so much more fun to watch. But uh, yeah, it was, it's so much fun to watch that because, we really don't have that that one international competition that just unites us as a country, right? Where we have that passion and that fire. Our women's national soccer team is amazing. I don't know that there's a level of excitement that the other countries get for these big major tournaments. I love watching them. I think I think they're amazing. I just I wish we had that here where we could just all get together and just yeah, go crazy when our country plays a sport and does it very well <laughs> well i guess the olympics are kind of close but not even then you know yeah. we're, we, we like our our divisions too much you know it's like my camp versus your camp it's like can't we all be in one camp no <laughs> we have to right have to find some conflict in something <laughs> some animosity it's we have to fight something in order to give our lives purpose and meaning these days but anyway right. isn't that what we have right. that's why we have the internet right well of course yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> We shouldn't use it for, you know, education and community and understanding. No, it's it's all about talking about people behind their backs. <laughs> ah! 
All right, anyway, my workout tip, and this is gonna seem a little bit unusual, but whatever you're doing in your strength training, change the number of exercises that you're using per general muscle group. Okay, so a lot of people, they'll get stuck in a camp where they're doing just one exercise, like pull-ups, okay, that's your pulling move. And other people, they'll just fragment the hell out of their body and they'll just have 15 different exercises. Like, oh, I gotta work, you know, my upper chest, my middle chest, my lower chest, my inner chest, my outer chest, my middle, upper, lower chest. Like, how do I fragment like every muscle fiber I can? But the fact is that there's strategies with both that can be beneficial. So if you are typically doing a workout where you have many different exercises for the same area, like your legs, for example, then switch it up and pick on one exercise and pour as much energy and intensity into that one exercise. Or if you're in the camp where you're doing one exercise, break it up into three or four exercises. And what this is going to do is just kind of, kind of, I hate the idea of like shocking the muscle or anything, but it's more of just introducing new information in the nervous system. Because when you do more exercises, there's an easier chance of loading your system if you're used to one, because you're just hitting it again and again and again. But if you are used to the number of exercises, there's always that tendency to pace yourself and like dilute the intensity over the exercise. Like, you know, back in the nineties and stuff, me and my friends, we used to have these bodybuilding routines and stuff where you'd have like 15 different exercises. It's like, well, you can't do, you know, the first few exercises with any kind of reasonable intensity and keep going. Uh, so this is going to change things up on you. So if you're going with a lot, go with a little, and you're going to increase the intensity through necessity. Just pour everything you have into it. You're going to find that you can go to a higher level. But if you're usually going with one, go with more, and you're going to find you're going to go to a higher level for endurance and work capacity in that regard. But changing it up to either or will really uh, help bring some new, fresh sensations to your strength training workouts. I like it. I like it. All right. Not much more to say on that. Let's roll on into our <laughs> dietary tips, things that can help you eat healthier while at home. Of course, it's always easier to eat healthy at home than when you're away, but what are your tips for the dietary improvements for the week here, Al? Well, dietary improvement for the week, I'm assuming most of the folks that are listening to this are in a part of the world where they can get outside to play, ride, run, hike, whatever it is you're doing. My advice to you from the nutrition standpoint, dietary standpoint, is to drink before you're thirsty especially if you're in something where it's, you know, 85 plus or so. I've made that mistake where I waited to get thirsty before I started to drink the, you know, electrolyte replacement stuff. And my muscles were kind of like, yeah, we're going to stop moving and we're just going to contract once <laughs> and let you know you may want to increase the frequency. You know, I, I've had this happen in mountain bike races and particularly in, in the race, because you have the stress on top of the exertion, right? So your body gets drained faster. So people drink before you are thirsty, for yep. sure. And I'll second that when you're being active, because back in the day, like back when I was doing a lot more 50 mile mountain bike races, we had this thing called the Vermont 50 that we did every fall. And the first couple of times I did it, it was just a suffer fest for those last 10 to 15 miles. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. My friend was like, no, you have to hit the food and the water before you think you need it. Because by the time your body's telling you you need it, you're already behind the eight ball. So yep. I would make a little timer 
on my little sport watch. And it's every half hour, it's like drink and eat, drink and eat every half hour. And I did much better. But I'll also couple that with something to keep that in check, where a lot of times, again, people, they oftentimes go too far or too little. I get emails and questions from people in the gym. It's like, okay, they say like, I got to eat or drink this much water or this amount of time. And then, I, but I'm going to the bathroom like crazy. And I'm just always having to, to take a piss and stuff. And like, if you're constantly having to go to the bathroom, then yeah, you're drinking too much. Your body's like, dude, I'm good. So use these as like little gauges. Like, yes, sure, add water. But if you find that you're really increasing your frequency of when you have to go to the bathroom, then you're good. You're, you're, you're just sending it through your system and it's not really doing you any good uh, with that. But that's anyway, funny. My, hmm? Oh, that, I'm sorry, it's funny you should mention that in 2006, <laughs> my first year of racing mountain bikes and yes people the wheels were still round and they, they were not made out of stone okay <laughs> and uh, they were made out of wood and leather <laughs> you whippersnappers and your technology of carbon and aluminum anyway uh i did nationals right and uh it was at uh this race oh, it's a serious point in sonoma i don't even know what they call it now and it was about eighteen thousand degrees and I did my usual warm-up, and I was just drenched in sweat. And I drank tons of water that day. Water, okay? <laughs> just regular water. Apparently, I flushed out a whole bunch of minerals and whatnot that I needed during the race. Yep. And in between the first and second lap, I needed to take a little bit of a timeout because my entire lower body went yep. like that. And oh, my goodness, dude. It was yeah. yeah. You got to put that stuff back. Oh, whether if you're running yeah. that stuff it will uh, short short circuit your nervous system pretty quick yes it did i yes, i nursed will. myself back to health and i was able to limp around the last lap but oh boy lesson learned the hard way <laughs> yep. yep but um anyway we have the fourth of july weekend coming up here and this is a time like i just went to the grocery store and I noticed like, wow, this place is packed. Like everybody's buying hamburgers and hot dogs, barbecue supplies and everything. But the fact is like a lot of times holidays are kind of like an exposure to what we should be doing or what we need to do most of the time when it comes to health and fitness. And so my top tip is one of the best ways to keep your diet on track over the weekends, because a lot of people, they're fine during the week, but they go way off the rails come the weekend is do your shopping on like Friday night or Friday or be prepared for the weekend. Because a lot of times people will go grocery shopping on Sunday night or Monday or Tuesday or something and they'll eat fine and great throughout the week. But then when the weekend comes, their schedule gets all crazy. They look in the fridge and they're like, oh, I don't have really anything to cook with and stuff. And they're going out to eat more and ordering out and Grubhub and all that sort of thing. So as always, we've always said it, set up your food environment for the diet that you want to keep. And that especially goes for the weekend. But if you're not set up for it, you're much more likely to go off the rails. So do your grocery shopping, some of your food prep and stuff like Thursday night and Friday, something like that. So that way during the weekend, you're more set and ready for those uh, unpredictable dietary times. Yeah. Yeah. What is your, cause we all have it, right? I'll tell you sure. what mine is in a second. You're at the store yep. and you go down that one aisle, you know, usually the middle ones are all where all the tasty stuff is, right? Yeah. And there is that one snack that's just like, hey, Matt, come here. Psst. Come on. Come on, Matt. Take, take, take me home. Come on. 
Come on. <laughs> you know, what, what is that snack for you? Uh, there's not a whole lot for me in, in all honesty. I, I, I sometimes fall victim to that way when it comes to licorice. Uh, I always like licorice and it gets me because now you can't buy licorice like you used to in the candy bar form or a few strands of Twizzlers or something like they used to have those at gas stations where you could buy a strand of, uh, of Twizzler for like 20 cents or something like that. Now it's got to be this big pounder bag of the stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I want it, but I don't want that much of it. Can't they make these damn things in smaller portions? And that gets me sometimes as I'll be like, all right, fine. <laughs> I buy a bag of that stuff and pretty much go through it in about a week or so. Uh, not even a week, but yeah, the uh, licorice now it's like the size of a battle rope now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're huge. They're massive. They're huge. They're, they even sell them in five pound tubs now. And it's like, I don't want that much. I just want enough <laughs> to get some, but you know, bigger is always better here in America. But right? uh, it's, it's one of those things that uh, gets me every once in a while. It's like, oh, I want it. No, no, no. Licorice, all right, all right, all right. That much temptation because almost everything is like, nah, I don't want it, or yep, I want it and I buy it, and it's that simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Justin's dark chocolate peanut butter cups, and I think it's sea salt mm -hmm. on top. That's that's mine. That's my Achilles, my Achilles esophagus, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, if, if I make the mistake of going when I'm just even just a little bit hungry, yep, and uh, or if I'm tired, right, I've got that. Bring it Sugar all into the cart. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And you know, there's the two little dudes, and I usually eat them. Like they'll put them in the bag. The yep. super nice checker folks, and I'm like, oh no, no, you don't. No, no, yep. no hold on. I'm not I'm even going to make it to the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not. I'll spot you. It's not going to happen. Just give it to yep. me now. You know. But that's that's probably mine. That's probably mine. For sure. All right. We'll wrap it on up here with our resource of the week. Something that we've used, and we highly recommend that you check out this holiday weekend. Al, what's your resource of the week? Mine's a super simple one, and it's a resource that, well, been using since I was just a wee lad having fun outside in the summer, and that is a ball. That's it, a ball. Yep. You throw it on the ground, you kick it. And it is amazing how, with the, with the kids at the park, kicking a ball and running around is just so much fun. Yep. And, and just kicking it to each other and, and making, we have a goal here in the backyard, but, you know, uh, a couple of trees or water bottles are there as our goal and we kick it and we run around and we laugh and we have fun and oh yeah there's a little bit of heart rate action involved as well but it's just it's just the simple act of kicking a ball there is something that it's like jumping off curbs on your bike it just transports me back to being a kid and it's just a blast so people i would recommend getting a ball and run around kick it i used to do a thing where i would go to the, the local high school and i would kick the ball and I'd run 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 kick it again Run, 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 kick it again. That was my workout, my lower body. Yeah. And it was a blast. And you're going to develop lower body qualities from that, that you're just not going to get on a weight machine. There's just no way because you've got power, explosiveness, acceleration, deceleration, turning, yeah. cutting, uh, balance and stabilization on one leg while using the other one dynamically. I mean, there's so much from that that you're just not going to get any other way. 100% uh, agree that that's something we should all be implementing. And you, you ever read that book or hear that book, Born to Run? It's about oh, yeah. all the runners. Boy. So there's these uh, tribal individuals, uh, natives, they, they go on long runs and stuff. Apparently that's how they do it, is they have a ball that they're kicking the whole time. It, oh, they yeah. don't just go and run, they have a ball and they're kicking and they run after it and they kick it. And that's how they keep going for that distance. So uh, yeah, little, well, it distracts you, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it gives you a target. You're running yeah, yeah. to something. 
all the time. And you get there and you have something to do other than running. And then you have something to run to again. So yeah. it's, it's good for the mind as well. Awesome tip there, Al. And mine is a internet resource that I've used for many years and I highly recommend it. It's strongerbyscience.com. And, and this is a group of individuals, researchers, Greg Knuckles, Eric Helms. Um, basically, I often refer people to this. Uh, it's a website. They also have a, another podcast as well, although it's a very dry humor podcast. It's funny going through the, uh, through the comments on the podcast because they get so many one-star reviews because people are like, I can't believe they said this and this. And like, you do know they were joking, right? And their <laughs> sense of humor is so dry that sometimes you got to really listen and be like, are they being sarcastic? And then they'll laugh at it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. They're not really serious about that sort of thing. But the reason why I'm recommending this is because you know, we all know there's a lot of research out there. There's a lot of studies. You can go on the internet and just look up research and studies, just, hey, this is what this study says and that study says and so forth. But a lot of this stuff that you find on your own, it gives us a false sense of an understanding of what's really going on. Because if you're a lay person and you find a study on the internet or in media and stuff, uh, nine times out of 10, we still don't understand what's really going on because you have to be educated to understand how to research research. And mm. sites and individuals like strongerbyscience.com and these individuals, they've literally gone to school and they have educations on how do we accurately and practically interpret research? Because you can look at research and studies and a lot of people refer as like, oh, this research study that I heard about said this and that. and unless you know the ins and outs of that thing, it could actually mean nothing about that. In the last episode of the Stronger by Science podcast, they were talking about the Dunning-Kruger effect, where people, uh, if you're not familiar with this, people refer to this all the time. Basically, the idea is that people who get a little bit of information are overconfident in their level of knowledge because they think, oh, I learned this thing, and now I know everything there is to know about this, and they're overconfident about how much they really understand but people who have a lot of knowledge underestimate how much they understand. And so they got asked about it, like, do you think this is a really prevalent thing in fitness and stuff? And Greg Knuckles, who does know the research behind the Dunning-Kruger effect was basically saying, I think people are Dunning-Kruger affecting the Dunning-Kruger effect. He's like, people, uh -huh. people often say, oh, this is, you know, when someone thinks they know what they're talking about, but they're clearly an idiot. And it's like Dunning-Kruger effect kind of thing. It's like, actually, we don't really understand it the way it's portrayed in the media because the research showed this, which was sort of what we're talking about, but not really. So that's a, just an example of use this as a resource to get the real information on what's actually going on in the world of health, fitness, and science uh, evidence-based research, because you find the studies in media and you, nine times out of 10, if there's somebody on the internet talking about a research study to support their views, it's being warped and distorted and manipulated in a propagandic way to get you to believe whatever they're promoting and supporting, right? That's not necessarily always bad or malicious, but it is distorted. It is like, I always say, it's like going into a fun house where you've got those mirrors that <laughs> warp your reflection and stuff. It's like that. What you're looking at is something that's real, but it's not really a good representation of what's actually going on. So Stronger by Science is a resource that I point people to of, listen to these guys, they'll actually say, this is what is actually being pointed to and suggested in the research. And 
that gives you much more clarity on what's actually going on. And we don't go down these rabbit holes that waste our time and energy. So strongerbyscience.com. So would <laughs> a Tabata workout fall into yes. that category? Yes, absolutely. Right. It's 2010. Do this. And it doesn't, it's not misapplied. It's just applied in the wrong way. Cause the, the Tabata workout, when it came out, the way it was designed was this guy in Japan, Mr. Tabata, researcher Tabata, was basically saying, can you get similar conditioning results with hard, brief periods of exercise as you can with longer, less intense periods of exercise? And so he did this protocol on speed skaters where he said, okay, you guys over there, you're going to do your normal speed skating routine. It's going to be like 30 minutes, I believe it was. And that's your slower, less intense workout. These folks over here, they're going to go with a much more intense workout that's only going to last four minutes. And the protocol was you're going to go 20 seconds on, rest for 10 seconds, and then you go again, and that's eight rounds. So that's a total of four minutes. And what he found from it was that, yeah, the hard and intense group met or exceeded the conditioning levels of the longer type of group. Now, the thing to understand about that was that Tabata protocol was given to these skaters in the way that you are going 100% all out every single time. Like you have eight rounds and you should be completely begging for mercy by yep. round three. And by round four, you're speaking in tongues. Round five, you are begging the researcher to stop. <laughs> Six, you're yearning for the sweet release of death. Seven and eight, you're basically in survival <laughs> mode, if that. So after that, so, but now like the Tabata protocol has been warped and you see like classes where it's like, okay, everything we do is Tabata, Tabata squats and Tabata curls and Tabata this and Tabata that. That's not a bad approach. That's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But when they allude back to the research of, oh yes, this hard intensive format that we're doing is just as good as long, you know, running on the treadmill for 40 minutes. Like you're not doing it even close to what was done in that research no. report. Uh, if you do your squats and afterwards, and you're like, okay, and you are still upright and walking, you did not do it correctly. <laughs> no, you it's should, not a Tabata. You should be completely <laughs> out of your mind, like cross-eyed with fatigue kind of intensity. That's what Tabata really was. So yeah, yeah, that's a perfect example of there's something in the research that gets warped and distorted over time and people think it means X, but really, no, you're, you're not really talking about what you think you're talking about. Oh, that's, that's all the time such, such one of my you rascally fitness kids get off my sidewalk, you know? <laughs> it just it makes me crazy because that was what, 110% of VO2 max? And okay. on a, on a, was it on a bike or whatever in a half hour, if yeah. you're making it through 30 minutes of a 20 second on 10 second off timing scheme, yeah. there is no way in hell you are exceeding your VO2 max. Yeah. There's no way. No. You might the have a high heart Intensity rate. is just off the charts. No. And keep in mind that he did this on experienced athletes because a lot yes. of people don't have the ability to reach that level of intensity. Um, one of the things that is important for lay people like us to always understand is that you have to be conditioned to reach your upper limits of exertion. Um, you take an average individual and you start working them as hard as they can and their body 
is it's not just meant uh, physical fitness, but mentally and emotionally, they're not going to let themselves do it because nope. a lot of times when I'm working with people, I can tell if they don't have an athletic background because as soon as they start really exploring the limits of where their body can go, or even like 60% emotionally, mentally, they're shutting down. They're like, this is stupid. I hate this. Oh, this is the worst thing. It's like, you're not even close to your limit. You're not even the close to where you think you can go because you've never experienced it. The only way you can know that level's there is if you go there. And most people have never gone there in their life. And we just have no reason to. You're not gonna do that in a regular gym setting. Athletes, because of competition, because of the demands of the sport are much more likely to get there. So when he gave it to speed skater, he's like, guys, I need you to go 100% all out. They were working at a much higher capacity than most people would if they were told to go at 100%. And as a, as a bike racer back in college, like I've been there. I always tell people, I've only gone to 100% twice in my life and I never want to do it again. Like if you, Dan John, the legendary strength coach always talks about this one workout. He did the squat workout and he's like, yep, you know, 40 years ago, I did this workout and went to hundred percent. It was excruciating. And as soon as I recover, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> you know, and this is 40 <laughs> years later. Kind was of that, that his living off workout? Yeah. I don't know what, it, what he was. The living sprint, but, I think is what he calls it. But yeah, but the bottom yeah, yeah. line is there's a level of exertion that you can push your body to that is absolute hell on earth. It's not yeah. the kind of thing that you walk away from in a week later and you're like, yeah, let's try it again. It's the kind of thing like, I don't ever want to do that again. I love pushing no. myself. I'm, right. I hope I never do that again because that was just absolute agony in a bottle. And that's what Tabata is about. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever want to do it again. Yeah, sprint workout I was doing one time with this group that I would ride with. And I mistimed, and it was such a bad, bad idea. Uh, roast beef sandwich and coffee, right? Boy. So the workout, yeah. And, and unfortunately, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I had to sit down at one point because I started to ever, like gray out, right? Yeah. And the ears started to ring. And it was like when you're in the bottom of a pool, things got kind of quiet and I couldn't see. And I thought, yeah, I just fried a circuit. This is bad because I went too deep in a pool that did. I went, you know, 10 feet deep in a five foot pool, yep. you know? But I tell you what, though, <laughs> I never went back there because no. I, I figured out this is this is the red line that's a little bit past the red line and that's just stupid red line don't yeah. ever go to stupid again you know unless you got to start a plate on your your bike but even then yep. yeah i mean the the racing part it it it's kind of like you go on a group ride with people and they're like oh this is hard i'm like challenging yeah, yeah. not race pace hard this is this this is not race pace hard you know so it's and all you, relative yeah and you're not going to get there on your own you just not we used to do this all the time where we go and ride the course like race pace and then we would do it and like did we reach race pace I'm like nope and that was as hard as we could go but we know that once we're at that start line and they say go and the start gun goes off we know we're going to find another level higher than yeah. that it's all just bets are off, the environment the the emotions the the push that you have from someone else pushing you you know, yeah. the level of exertion that you're just not going to be able to get to on your own. Now, yo, yeah, I found that like I could push myself pretty hard just because I was accountable to a coach. So I, you know, you have to, right. But in a group workout, 
I would always only rest for X seconds in between sprints or in between intervals or heel repeats on my own. It was kind of like, well, let's just do another little quick 15, 20 second recovery. And yeah, 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 for sure. Absolutely. So I'm not saying like in a lot of people, they, they kind of, it's easy to attach your ego to your effort. You know, it's like, I'm the hardest worker in the room and I'm going 100%. So when you suggest things like this, of you're not really going all out like you think you are. People kind of get defensive about it. They're like, you don't understand how hard I'm working kind of thing. And stuff. I'm not saying this to like bash your ego. I'm saying this to mean that you have levels higher that you can go to. You have more potential than you realize. Yeah. And it's fine to understand that and say, I could do it. I just don't want to. That's always fine. That's nothing about being a wimp. That's not being weak. That's being smart <laughs> yep. because you understand it's there if I need it, but I'm not going to tap into it just yet. And understanding that it's there opens the possibility that you can get to that level. But if you shut down emotionally of like, no, I'm going hundred percent, which is really like 70, 80% then that level will be forever closed off to you and you're never going to reach that point. Amen, sir. Yeah. That's my words of wisdom. Let's end it there. Al, do you have anything uh, to finish off I with? do. I do. I do. Uh, a lot of folks are going to have a three-day weekend coming up. <laughs> the fitness you have on July, what is today? Two, July mm-hmm. 2nd is the fitness you're going to have when you wake up <laughs> Tuesday morning, July 6th. Okay, so be smart, people. Don't go out and try to ride 18,000 miles in the next few days if you haven't ridden 18 in the last month. You know, give just go and enjoy yourself this weekend because I know a lot of people that, okay, got three days. I'm going to make up six months worth of not exercising in these three days, right? And then I'm going to end up, I'm going to, I don't care if I wake up next to a half empty bottle of Bojack Daniels and ibuprofen on Tuesday morning. I am going after this and I'm going to get after it. You know, it's like, no, 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 people. No, 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 no. no. Go slow this weekend. Please do not do anything that you're going to have to recover from. Or more importantly, your body's going to volunteer you to rest from. You know what I'm saying from there, my friends. Okay. So just be smart, be safe and play within your body and paint on the canvas that you're given this weekend. Excellent. That's my word of wisdom right there. All right. Well, you have a good 4th of July weekend to everyone else, especially those international who are like, what the hell is the 4th of July? Still have a good weekend. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you next week. Till then, stay strong and lead by example.